the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. My guest is in that category of needs no introduction. N-N-I. That's a rarefied realm. Greg Gutfeld is qualified. But in case you don't know, I don't know. Who would not know? I would like to know what percentage of my audience... Greg Gutfeld, what percentage of my audience needs me to introduce you? I would say a zero percentage. Wow. Actually, it might be a negative integer. You might actually have to go into some kind of un, like anti-numeral realm to find that answer. That, that's fair. So now, if you were on NPR, what percentage mm-hmm. of the audience would need an introduction? Oh, that is such a great question. Because what happens is, if they see me or they hear my voice, they hate me. But they then they realize that they saw me at their parents' house, and that their parents really like me, and that's eternally frustrating for them. I I, talk, I think I talk about it this in my book that I have fr- I have friends who are well they became friends who hate me uh, who are me or, 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 or didn't like me at the start, and they were musicians and comedians. And then they would talk to the, they find one member of their family that turned out to be a fan and they have no choice but to become friends with me because their, their sibling or their parent or their uncle demands that they do it. Well, Isn't that cr- amazing? yeah, well, it's more credit to them. I mean, uh, uh, in yeah. many cases, they would just stop talking to that relative. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's what I would do. Yeah. But, uh, no, <laughs> you like Gutfeld? Uh, You're out of my yeah. life. <laughs> exactly. But that happens to me um, in um, – it doesn't happen to me often during the pandemic now because we wear masks. But I will be recognized by somebody who isn't sure who I am but is confident that they don't like me. And um, I've had a guy actually kind of challenge me to a to – like a, not a fight but get in my face and then said to me – this was at a bar at the airport – said to me, what you, what TMZ has done to people is like life destroying, and so he thought I was that guy. Oh, he didn't. See, oh. He. Uh, well, I can't think of his name. Yeah, he got you wrong. Guy, yeah, All right, let me tell everybody, funny. Greg. Greg has just come out with a book, and uh, it's 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 so helpful. I did not know before your political Greg Gutfeld, you were a self help person, and that's what he reverts to here. The plus yeah. is the name of the book. The plus. And uh, it is Self-Help for People Who Hate Self-Help by Greg Gutfeld. What does that mean, people who hate self-help? Well, I worked, you know, I worked at Prevention Magazine, my first real big journalism job. I was their fitness editor, and then I became editor of Men's Health. I knew. I, I did a lot of service journalism, a lot of self-help. And you find that a lot of it's really kind of corny, and they give you advice as though you're stupid. It's like, you know what? Make sure you have, like, how many times were we told to drink eight glasses of water a day? Like, that was in every single health article. And it was just like, it was mind-numbingly stupid. And a lot of the stuff 
was written by people who really, they really weren't effective human beings, and yet they were giving advice. I found that I was one of those people. I was one of those people giving advice, but not exactly following it in my life until I got much older. And I, and I developed this weird thing that people have called wisdom, which we tend to denigrate these days. And we tend to put the, the uh, kind of a youthfulness as a priority over, over wisdom. And um, as I developed wisdom, which is basically serious knowledge born from living on this planet, I figured out life. I think I figured it out anyway, and it's it's probably really obvious to you. It's called impulse control. But but you know, when I was growing up, I had I developed a lot of options, and my impulse control could have used some work when options came my way. And so the plus is really just a simple way to develop impulse control in your daily life to make everything better. It's like choosing the right choice, the plus versus the minus in everything you do from opening an email to talking to your spouse to being in a work meeting. So I think it's like, it's a way to, to replace negative action with positive action. It's super obvious, but I don't know if somebody's done it this way or idiots like me. Well, the impulse control is absolutely, uh, you, you've hit it on. I want to tell you a theory I have espoused. I think you will enjoy it, and I'd love your reaction. Sure. Uh, and I went to religious school, a Jewish religious school, till I was 18, half the day in Hebrew, half the day in English. It was a very serious study. And the, the essence, mm-hmm. I realized when I got out later on and went to graduate school and so on, the biggest difference between religious education and secular education, and I've said this all of my life, is when, when uh, you go to a secular school, you feel the biggest problem in your life is America, is society. Right. When you go to religious school, you think the biggest problem in your life is you. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it, it is true, and it is very, it's very basic. I knew I exactly. had to fight me, that my mm-hmm. impulses were not all that wonderful. Right. No, we have terrible impulses. I mean, everybody shares one common trait. We know stuff in our head that is crazy, or not crazy, but you know, and and and. Uh, but we understand that, and that's why it takes you know a lot of work to control yourself. This is an interesting thing because the fact that we kind of abdicated the idea of impulse control is a, it's a cynical view of the world. And when you look at say like what's going on in Chicago, and you have uh, you know people uh, claiming that like this is reparations. And, and so on. And it's like, so what they're doing is they're conflating lack of impulse control with a voting block. It's like, you know what, we, we, can't, we can't judge people anymore because we're insulting like a, a, a minority group. No, minority groups disagree with that. They have impulse control. You can, every time you conflate this activity with a minority group, you're insulting them. You're being racist. But that's what we're doing right now. We're abdicating all kinds of moral choices for fear that we're offending somebody when, in fact, that's how you deal with law and order. We're looking at these polls that show that uh, blacks and, and, and Hispanics, over 80 percent, would prefer the same number or more amount of police officers. Yet the white uh, TV anchors aren't reporting that. Ninety percent of American Indians, according to the Washington Post, mm-hmm. had no problem with the Washington Redskins name. Yeah. You know, and it's it's uh, it's just a. I mean, it's obviously, we're living in the time where virtue signaling has replaced actual virtue, and uh, and everybody is trying to um, cover themselves, even if it's me. It, like you would sacrifice your spine to keep your job, right? I mean, because if you don't, 
if you don't join in, if you don't kneel, uh, it's, it's, it's now, you're now the exception if you don't kneel. So that's a, it's a, it's a virtue signal and it does nothing to help anybody. I mean, any of these virtue signals have done nothing for the explosion in violent crime. I just read today that the, uh, the number of daylight shootings in New York has doubled. Daylight shootings. So that tells you something that you can now do this in broad daylight. It's crazy. Do you live in Manhattan? Yeah. I, got a, I bought a cabin a couple of years ago, but I, uh, you know, I work in Manhattan. Right. So let me ask uh, you something. I saw pictures in the Daily Mail, I mean, many pictures of the homeless just camping out and some of them relieving themselves on the yeah. Upper West Side. Are those pictures, right. are those pictures accurate? Yes. Um, so they've been housing, they've released people from uh, uh, jail. And also from, I guess, from, uh, uh, I don't know, homeless shelters. And they're putting them up in these boutique hotels, a, a few of them in the Upper West Side. Uh, Dana Perino was talking about uh, two, uh, two examples that happened to the same woman. Her, uh, a woman was attacked by a homeless guy, and that was the Upper West Side pulling on her hair. She ended up leaving. Um, there's, uh, it, it's, they're just hanging out. And then you also have protesters there defending this choice, saying that doing a welcoming party. But meanwhile, all the small businesses and the people that spend their money and buy products are leaving. So we're seeing kind of like an accelerated evacuation and escape from New York. Uh, That I mean, I guess if you're old enough, you might remember what happened to Detroit. Uh, But it's like. It, it's scary because it doesn't seem like anybody can turn it around. We have an absentee landlord of a mayor who doesn't care. Um, and um, right. Polluting- so, so then, why, why do I hear uh, that the, the? I'm not even sure if it was from you, but I, I, I it might have been actually. <laughs> yeah. and, and and that is that the alternative to De Blasio will be to the left of him, not to the right of him. Because. Every like there, again, there, there's no way to beat this this cynical left wing machinery. I mean, what's going to replace De Blasio? AOC? I mean, I would I would all we want is an adult. We want to get a, we want to get a Giuliani or a De Bla, uh, or a, or a uh, Bloomberg, but we can't even get a Bloomberg who's an independent. We can't get like a Democrat, a solid old school Democrat anymore. We're getting revolutionary. Sorry about that. Yeah, go on. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, I know that I know you got a national audience, and I'm sure they are tired of hearing about Manhattan because there there is a substance to other people's complaints about cities. You made your bed, you lie in it. Yes, indeed. You know, All when right. You see, Can you hang on? You know. well, I want everybody to hear more about the plus. The book is by Greg Gutfeld's up at DennisPrager.com. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. 
I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Dennis has a hard time saying this, but I, the living martyr, do not. I don't because I know how valuable this is. For a donation of $25,000, you can have a one-hour Zoom session with Dennis. Invite as many family members and friends as you want. Or, when this craziness ends, you can have a lunch or cigar with Dennis in person. Call 833-PRAGERU, 833-772-4378, or go to PragerU.com. Okay. Break up folks. Break to the they're terrific. As is his new book, The Plus, Self-Help for People Who Hate Self-Help. I, I just, uh, I don't think people are tired of talking. I, I, I obviously don't live in New York. I live in California, which is the same thing, just better weather. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not tired of it because what we're seeing, to me at any rate, are the consequences of policies. Right. So the question is, can anything happen that would make a West Upper West Side New Yorker think, boy, maybe ideas on the left are destructive? Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, the cul- the culprit in my will always be, you know, this is the media capital of the world, New York City, uh, and yet. People that are pushing this idea of, I would say, systemic racism, that the United States is, uh, uh, is uh, condemned with original sin that they could never undo, and that there needs to be this radical over... They're pushing, um, they're pushing ideas that justify this type of activity, or I would say just an abdication of morality. Uh, and and um, they live here. And I wonder if it's, if it's not until the media pays its own price, you know, when the, when, when the one executive gets mugged, will that change or will that make them even more defensive? Because there's so much sunk cost in these beliefs that they can't let go from this idea. I'm very pessimistic that, about, about how this can change because I, look, the only way you, you do need individuals to stand up. You need a you need a, a, another kind of Giuliani, um, and and it, it doesn't matter what race or gender it, that person is. But we need somebody who is courageous to stand up and say, "We've got to stop this. We have to save our city." Uh, I I would do it, but my I think my wife would kill me. That's an interesting problem. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, I got to, I mean, all I do is complain at this point. So I feel kind of useless in my own, in my own city. Um, and I try to complain loudly enough on TV that maybe something will happen. But I'm not sure that the people that deserve to hear the complaints even care. Or are list- I don't think uh, Mayor de Blasio gives a damn about what I say. Um, so we need, we need Democrats or indep- and independents to, to, to talk about this. And I think you're going to see like minority leaders, uh, uh, police officers and, and uh, say, look, stop conflating minority issues with crime. 
We are as against crime as anybody else is. We need police. And I think that's what you're going to be seeing, hopefully. That's my my. Yeah, that was a big article in the New York Times yesterday, uh, but uh, that blacks are overwhelmingly like like this. In other words, what you were describing, wanting more police. But it has no impact on the left. None at all. They're the worst. They are the worst ally for minorities. That's right. That's right. It's insane. And it's like, and and, and it it is so, it is sad to me because we know what works. Law and order and hard work and. uh, Impulse control, uh, what your book is about. Yeah. Everything the left hates. And yet, and yet the left somehow has been able to corral specific groups into their pen. And it, 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 it is, it is such a shame. And, uh, it's, they, everybody says, oh, no, long term, you're going to see Hispanics and blacks go Republican and, and away from the left. And it's like, I, I, I believe there, that will happen. But it's when. <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, you need a Giuliani. So here's another yeah. theory uh, I think you'll enjoy. The left ruins things. The right fixes it up. Once it's fixed up, the left takes for granted the things are fixed and then they ruin it again. Yeah, I actually I think I wrote that in one of my books. You know, it's like it's it's a cycle. That's so you right. got you got Giuliani. Yeah, you got Giuliani uh, after Dinkins. Uh, so you got a mess. He cleans up the mess, and then people get used to it. They get used to the blissful existence, right? Well, of that, being able right. to eat outside and, that, yes. and do all this fun stuff, and they forget what it was like before. And then, so they allow it to degrade. They, for, once it was they forget what it's like when there aren't police. They think yes. that civilization just happens on its own. Exactly. And then you have to start all over again, and it's a, it's a it's just this cycle of stupidity. And it's and, and talk about wasted energy and wasted lives, you know. Just because uh, we have leaders and we have people in the media who suffer from cultural amnesia, you know, they they just don't remember what it was like. That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna probe you, uh, yeah. and the the answer is not easy. So I, I've worked on it my whole life. What animates a person uh, on the left? Huh. I think it's, I think it's an, an emptiness that is created by um, a divorce from the things around them. Uh, I, and I don't know what comes first. Is the, it, it, like, if you are antisocial and you join Antifa, is it because joining Antifa made you social, antisocial or you were always antisocial? And I, I, I write about this in my book that, like, um, generally when you're, like, at a they – do, they do studies. People that do not get along with other people tend to be in these groups. And, uh, and, and if you also – this is interesting, uh, Dennis. When you look at groups of leftists, they're not even nice to each other. Like, it's not that they're all hanging out, laughing and having a ball. They actually despise each other. It's, it's, it's riven with self-loathing. They hate everything. And they, and they find no joy. And I think that joy is because they've, they've, uh, they've kind of disassociated themselves from, fam- uh, from three things. From family, from community, and religion. And I'm saying that, as you know, as an agnostic, I understand why it's so positive that, that you have religion in your life. I'm just not, uh, you know, I'm not a religious person. But the three things that they've divorced themselves from, family, community, and religion, what are you left with? Power. 
all you are left with is power and, and, and power driven by envy. All of these things, like think about it, all of these things are about taking from someone. I'm taking uh, 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 from a building. I'm taking, you know, I'm destroying a building. And I have no way to replace it. I'm going to burn down a federal building. I have no, I don't know what I could replace it with a skateboarding park. I can't even build that. But none, there's no, there's no skill set to create a future. So it's all about destruction <laughs> born from an emptiness God, that I occurs because they have nothing. We are, so, we are so in sync. It, it's, <laughs> it gives, just brings me a smile. All right, everybody. The book is The Plus, Self-Help for People Who Hate Self-Help, A Man Filled with Common Sense. Greg, keep on going. We need you. Thank you, sir. You too. Thank you. Thank you. The Dennis Prager Show. Okay, everybody. Dennis Prager here. School closures damage the youngest children. It's a piece by a woman, I don't have her first name, Van de Velde. She's the author of College Admission from Application to Acceptance. She's writing a book on early childhood education. I, as, as, uh, I, as you know, I announced yesterday I have changed my mind on calling the lockdown, the universal lockdown, uh, a uh, the greatest mistake. I now uh, have moved it from mistake to crime. The lockdown is a crime. People who have lost their business have been criminally attacked by governors and mayors. It is one of the moral and legal crimes of my lifetime, what has been done to people in the name of health. Now, I want you to know what is being done to young children. This, I get scared rarely. This is scary. In the contentious debate over opening schools, there is almost no mention of the youngest learners, children two to five, who attend daycare, nursery schools, or pre-kindergarten programs. That's a terrible omission. What those children need to accomplish can't be done in isolation or in front of a laptop, and it has to be done during a brief developmental window that closes around age five and never opens again. As the developmental psychologist Jean Piaget, even I remember Piaget, put it, play is the work of childhood. A child's most important educational experience occurs before age six. By that age, 90% of brain development will have occurred. According to the Center on the Developing Child at Harvard, more than one million neural connections are formed in a young child's brain every second. But there is no God, right? One million neural connections a second. (laughs) Happened by itself. That's rational. That's trillions of brain cell pathways every 24 hours. And play is what develops these things. Play builds and shapes the brain. 
This development affects future competence in domains as fundamental as being able to pay attention, acquire language, and get along with others. When that development doesn't occur, those pathways and those skills are lost and can't be recovered. The gaps observed in older children's skills, whether in reading or executive function, were already present when they started kindergarten. That's the price of school closures for young children. Children who don't play with other children during their early years are more likely to suffer anxiety and depression and exhibit an array of sensory, motor, and cognitive issues, such as the inability to control their emotions or poor memory. The lockdown is a crime. It is a colossal crime. It is because we listened to scientists' advice rather than science. There's a very big difference between scientists' advice, many of whom are morons who happen to know some science. Get it? Of course you get it. The Dennis Prager Show. I'm reading to you from a child expert, Wall Street Journal, about the 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 potential injury to the brain development of children when they can't play because of lockdown. An idea that has now entered the realm of criminal, in my in my opinion. I'll keep reading to you about Sweden doing fine, no masks, no lockdown, kids at school. Consider that indoor, not outdoor, transmission is the driver of the pandemic. One contact tracing study in China involving 318 outbreaks and 1,245 cases of COVID-19 identified only a single incident of outdoor transmission. This basic evidence didn't stop District of Columbia officials from threatening $1,000 fines on people not wearing masks. Actually, that's another article, which I'm going to come to. I'm sorry. My apologies. I want to finish the article on children. Studies are showing that young children are probably the least likely to contract COVID-19. When they do, the virus poses minimal health risks. So far, exactly 10 American children ages 1 to 4 have died from it. 10. Much more die from the flu. God, I wonder how many die from... Uh, what, what is that when they're... Uh, when they sleep on the, on their side? SIDS. SIDS, yeah. What does SIDS stand for again? Sudden Infant, Sudden infant Death Syndrome. I wonder how many die from that. So far, exactly 10 American children ages 1 to 4 have died from it. Young children who are also aren't major spreaders of the virus. Even for older school children... The American Association of Pediatricians, the National Academies of Science, Engineering and Medicine, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have recommended that schools reopen, noting the social, emotional, behavioral, and academic harm of remaining closed. 
Leftism has bred not only bad, destructive, anarchic, confused, and stupid. It has it has bred cowardice. I saw a picture of a teacher uh, in uh, I don't know, Florida, I don't remember, with a big sign that she held, I didn't sign up to be a martyr. Boy, that's a new America, isn't it? I didn't... Can you imagine in the past a teacher walking with a sign like that during an epidemic? I didn't sign up to be a martyr. That's really... That's the heroic person you want teaching your children. Anyway, there's no character education in school, so it's irrelevant. Yep, we're going to pay it. Well, we're going to pay a price. We are paying a price. One eight Prager seven seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. Los Angeles teachers won't go back, according to their union, until the police are defunded. See, that's how much they care about children. The teachers' unions care about children as much as the communists cared about workers. That's what you need to know. Everybody is used. The Democrats use blacks. Teachers' unions use children. The uh, communists use workers. That's the way it works. And they let themselves be used. People got a higher education where they were indoctrinated to believe baloney. So it is. I really fear for these kids. I'm telling you, though, it's what is most amazing. It's very sad to me because a lot of you are, a lot of my listeners are are doing this. And I I certainly don't want to tick you off, but I am not going to lie to you or, or by omission. I certainly wouldn't by commission, but I'm not going to stop saying things. Because even people who like me will be offended, and I don't mean to offend you, but if you have not allowed your child to play with other children in half a year because you are afraid they'll die, I mean, that's all that matters, right? You don't care. We don't care if you get it. We care if there are any consequences to getting it, correct? You have really done a disservice to your children. You have adopted the the uh, Cuomo, the Andrew Cuomo attitude from the beginning. If all this shutdown saves one life, it is worth it. You can't you can't have a society run on that basis. You have to close down society. Shall we close down the highways? You know how many lives we'll save. I hear, I mean, I truly hear, I hear in my world of parents who don't allow their children to play with other children. This is called the feminization of society. The nurturer has won over the strength, over strength, over wisdom, nurture, take care of. That's it. But you see, This is where wisdom plays a very important role. And do you know where wisdom begins, other than the fear of God, as Proverbs puts it, or Psalms puts it? Do you know where it begins? With a question. 
Yes, wisdom begins with a question. Here's the question. What is the price paid? The moment, what was it, uh, Tom Sowell did that with, uh, what is it, second, uh, what, is his, uh, what is his term? As soon, uh, liberals don't think about consequences, but he put it to second something. First stage thinking. That's right. That's Tom Sowell's brilliant phrase. First stage thinking characterizes a lack of wisdom and the left. The Dennis Prager Show. All right, everybody. I want to remind you, this is Prager U fundraising month because my birthday's in August, so we just chose August. We are really doing good, and the country is in real trouble. So remember, there are three types of good people, those who fight, those who help the fighters, and those who do nothing. Those who help the fighters are just as valuable as the fighters. Please help the fighters. Whatever you give is doubled this week. That's a big deal. PragerU.com, 833-PragerU. Yes, indeed. Uh, John, Huntington Beach, California. Hello. Hey, Dennis. How you doing? I'm fine. My country isn't. That is for sure. Well, I'm calling because I have a little beef with you, and it's kind of rare. That's fine. Uh, I think the majority of the Republican Party is picking a losing strategy on this stuff. On twofold. One is that this is a biological Chernobyl that came from China. We should be treating this as if it's like World War Three. Instead, we have too many people arguing if it's a real threat or not. Who's arguing if it's a real threat? I've never heard anybody say it's not a real threat. I'm arguing against the lockdown. I don't deny it's a threat. Well, the thing is, is that the lockdown... See, I, I do think... I was one of the early ones on telling my friends back in January, buy a 95 mask, this is going to be a real problem. This is going to be like the 1918 pandemic. It had all the early signs when it was manifesting. Anyway, forgive me. You called in on, you see, this is a problem. You called in on homeschooling and you're talking about masks. Well, because it's partly related. It's not related. You're making a good point that disagrees with me and you didn't even get to it. And we have 30 seconds. Okay. With homeschooling is this, we, we as conservatives should take this time to revolutionize the education system. For forever, we've complained that the system's gotten liberal, it's got education, it's trying to indoctrinate people into leftist ideology, and now we have a chance to get our kids back and educate them. My wife and I homeschooled our kids. I agree with you. I agree. This would be one of the few great things to come out of it if people take their kids out of the, the, the schooling system. I agree entirely. But the fact is, so many parents are not allowing their kids to play with other kids when the danger is minuscule to them. For that, I not only blame the schools, I blame the parents. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio.
Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Alan's story. I've been in back pain since my early 20s. Now I'm 51. In my early 20s, I worked for the state prison. I got injured and I was off work for about a year. I'm now a train engineer. I basically sit all day long. My wife making me take Relief Factor literally changed my life. I don't feel like I'm 20 again, but my back does. Everyone knows you want something drug-free. You want something that will help your own body deal with the inflammation that can often cause pain. In your neck, back, shoulder, hip, knee, or foot. Actually, even general aches and pains from just getting older, exercise, everyday living, all can be a real problem, even keeping you from sleeping through the night. So here's what I suggest you do. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father-son owners of Relief Factor, have created what they call a three-week quick start. It's a trial pack, and they've discounted it to just $19.95. That's about a dollar a day. And after that, about the cost of a cup of coffee a day to stay out of pain. That's a three-week quick start for just $19.95. And you should know this, about 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start for just $19.95 go on to order more. So do what so many others have already done. Take Pete and Seth Talbot up on their offer and go to relieffactor.com and order the three-week quick start. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384.